Bryce Helt. All right, welcome to this October 1st, first Sunday of the month, uh, Lord's Supper Day. Um, welcome, uh, Brother Matthew, Sarah, and Travis Axum from Natchitoches, Louisiana. They were passing through, so so delighted to have you all today. 1 Corinthians 11.26, as we remember the broken body and shed blood of our Lord, Appreciate Chris's comments. I, I looked at that very verse. I love that passage, 1 Corinthians 2 2. Paul says, I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. We gather to remember <clears throat> and not forget the sufferings and death of our Lord. Verse 26 there, you can see it. Paul writes, For as often as you eat this bread, and drink this cup, you do show, you preach it, you demonstrate it, that Christ died for you. You're remembering Christ's death till he come. Children of God, we are coming into God's presence, and I want you to consider your privilege of access to God and the access that you enjoy to God the Father is because of this death. It's because of the death of Jesus Christ. I know you're like me. You call somebody on the phone or you call a company on the phone. And rarely anymore do you get a real human. You get a machine. And it says for sales, press one. For parts, press two. And you got to listen. And then it asks you if you want to interact with the machine. And I always say, no, I want a representative. And it says, a lot of times it says, that, that's not an option. So you have to deal with the machine. Beloved, you never have to deal with anybody else in Christ with God the Father. When you go to God the Father, you get him personally. I want you to know that. And today, before we take the Lord's Supper, what I want to just kind of talk to you about today is the privilege of your access, the privilege of your access that you have, you personally have with God the Father. Paul said, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death. His death has secured us that access with God the Father. Bow with me and pray and let's prepare our hearts. Oh God, thank you so much that you are our Father. We can call you our Father. And right now, at this very moment, you hear my prayer. You hear our quiet prayings. Father, of every one of your children, we're so thankful for that. We're thankful for the death of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, without him, we would have no access to thee. Lord, we know that once upon a time, it was like that. Lord, we pray that Lord, we would always keep the death of Christ fresh in our minds, remembering that he died on the cross for our sins, remembering that he suffered the justice and wrath of thee, God Almighty, in the place of unworthy and ungodly sinners, us. Lord, I pray we would remember that today in an honoring way, that we would honor you. And Father, that we would not come with wandering minds, but that we would fix our hearts 
on thee while we sit in your holy presence and we'll give you the praise. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We are not commanded and taught by God to remember the sacrifices of the Old Covenant, of the Old Testament. I'm going to take you to the book of Hebrews in a moment. And the writer of Hebrews takes us back to a time when the blood of bulls and of goats and of lambs signified who would actually be the Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. We are not commanded by God or taught by Him to remember the deaths of bulls and goats from the Old Testament sacrifices. And when we do study the Old Testament sacrificial system, the only way that it is spiritually profitable to any of us is when we see Christ by faith in those sacrifices. The sacrifice and death of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross put an end to all of the ceremonies and sacrifices, the animal sacrifices of the Old Testament economy. The sacrifice of Christ ended the Levitical priesthood. Christ is our high priest, our great high priest, but not after the order of Levi, after the order of Melchizedek. It would now be absurd and unreasonable, and it would be an abomination to God to ever go back to the Old Testament ceremonies and laws of the sacrificial system. For if we did, we would be proclaiming that the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ was not enough. We would be proclaiming that the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ was not enough and that God was not satisfied with his sacrifice and that God was not pleased with his son as an offering for our sins. Now I take you back to the Old Testament economy because I want you to know that back then, believers did not have access to God. They did not, they were not able to enter into the presence of God. Only one man could do that. Since the death of Christ on the cross and his resurrection and ascension, we as believers in Christ have the privilege of continual access to God. You have access to God. You have access to him now. And I want you to see what the scriptures say about this. Listen, in the Old Testament, there was only one day and only one man that could enter into the holiest of all. We don't have to wait for a certain day or date. And no, Sunday is not the only day that you have the privilege of coming into the personal presence of the living God. It's not just Sunday. I'm talking about coming into the presence of God all by yourself. All by yourself, and we should. Old Testament believers didn't have that. There was only one time, and there was only one day in the year when God was accessible in this sense, but it was only to one man. In the Old Testament, while the first tabernacle was still standing, when Christ had not yet come, when the people of Israel were still awaiting the coming of their promised Messiah, that's the way it was. Look at Hebrews, and I'm going to show you this, Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 1. 
It's not saying that the Old Testament saints did not have access to pray and that they couldn't seek unto God, but to come into his presence themselves based upon the righteousness of another, they did not have that. Look at Hebrews 9, verse 1. It talks about the first when the first tabernacle was standing. Then verily the first covenant had also ordinances of a divine service and a worldly sanctuary. For there was a tabernacle made, the first wherein was the candlestick and the table and the showbread, which is called the sanctuary. And after the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, which had the golden censer, the Ark of the Covenant, overlaid round about with gold, wherein was the golden pot that had manna and Aaron's rod that budded and the tables of the covenant. And over it the cherubims of glory shadowing the mercy seat of which we cannot now speak particularly. And I love that the writer says that because he doesn't want to speak specifically of that because he wants to get to the point of now that we have a great high priest who has entered into the holiest of all for us and now we have access to God. Now, when these things were thus ordained, the priests went always into the first tabernacle, accomplishing the service of God. But into the second went the high priest alone every year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the errors of the people. See, the Old Testament saints looked by faith at these sacrifices, the blood of bulls and goats and of lambs. And they looked forward to the time when they wouldn't need a high priest to go into the holiest of all for them. Verse 8, he says of the high priest, The Holy Ghost this signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest, while as yet the first tabernacle was yet standing, which was a figure for the time then present in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service, that is the high priest, perfect, as pertaining to the conscience, which stood only in meats and drinks and divers washings and carnal ordinances imposed on them, that is the priests, the high priests, until the time of reformation. But Christ, being come an high priest of good things, to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of an heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh, get these three words, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without, without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. So you see, in that time, only one man, the high priest was allowed into the holiest of all, into the presence of God where the mercy seat was, where forgiveness could be granted by God. But he was only allowed into that holy place one time in a year. The priests, 
the Levitical priests were allowed into the outer court where they did the service, but the, the high priest only once in a year, and it was on the Day of Atonement. That day was in autumn, in fall. It was the tenth day of the seventh month of Tishri, so only once a year. So on that one day when the high priest entered into the holiest of all, he did not enter without blood. But I want you to take note, it was not his, it was not, it was blood that was offered for himself and for his sins and for the sins of the people. He did not enter in without blood. He had to make sure he was right with God before he went in to the holiest place. He had to make sure that his sins had been forgiven before he went in and did the service of God. He went in not without blood, which was for his sins and the sins of the people. And I want you to see that he had no right or privilege of entry in and of himself. No right nor privilege of entry in and of himself because he, like the rest of the people, was a sinner. He was not a perfect high priest. He stood before the God of heaven, the Almighty God, God the Father. He stood before God in need himself of a perfect high priest. He needed a blood atonement for the salvation of his own soul. So I want you to see that this priest was the imperfect and shadow. He was imperfect. He was the shadow and picture of what Christ would be sinlessly and perfectly. And as long as that first tabernacle was standing, beloved, in the Old Testament, the way into the holiest of all, into the personal presence of God, was shut off to the people of God, to the people of Israel. Until that day, when God would be satisfied, not with the death and the blood of an animal, but by the death and blood of a man, by the death and sufferings of the Lord Jesus Christ. So all the carnal ordinances, and that's mentioned in verse 10, imposed on the high priest of that time showed them that their perfect high priest had not yet come. When he did come, it would be the time of reformation. And you see that phrase right there at the end of verse 10. What does that mean, the time of reformation? Well, it means the time when everything would be made straight and right when the old system of carnal ordinances and a sinful high priest would give way to a perfect and sinless high priest who would not enter into the presence of God with the blood of an irrational animal, with the blood of a goat or a bull. The blood of bulls and goats and of lambs could not redeem man. It had to be the blood of a man. Genesis 3.15 So when Christ entered into the holiest of all, when he died on that cross, he didn't enter with the blood of an animal. He entered in with his own blood. Ephesians 1.7 says, in whom we have redemption. That's what we come to celebrate today, beloved. You have redemption through his blood. Not the blood of bulls and of goats. Not the blood of lambs. But by the blood of Christ. You were not redeemed Notice Peter speaks in past tense. You were not redeemed with corruptible things. 
such as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but you were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. So look at verse 11, chapter 9, Hebrews. You should still be there. So these carnal ordinances were imposed on those high priests until the time of reformation. Verse 11, but Christ being come and high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle. What is that? What's the greater and more perfect tabernacle? It's his body. It's his body. Listen, the first tabernacle is not standing anymore. We will never go back to Old Covenant, Old Testament Christianity. To do so, brethren, would be blasphemy against God. It would be to say that the cross of Christ was not good enough for us to go back to the blood of bulls and goats and rams. No, brethren, Christ has become our high priest. And it's not of a, of a, of a wood building or of a stone building or like the tabernacle with badger skins and with the skins of animals. No, brethren, Christ is our tabernacle. Verse 12 says, Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own, his own blood... And there's one word in this verse that is critically important. And Hebrews uses this word or a derivative of this word many times. And I want you to get that one word. I just told you what it was. Neither by the blood of goats, plural, calves, plural, but by his singular own blood, he entered in how many times? Once. Once. It's one offering, and it ends all the offerings. There will never be offerings, animal offerings, for sinners again. When he entered in that one time, he obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean, in numbers the ashes of a heifer sprinkled the tabernacle to make it clean. There's no more of that, beloved, because there's no more tabernacle. When Christ died on the cross, he entered into the holiest of all, not with the blood of a bull or a goat, but with his own blood. It was then that we know the veil of the temple was torn in the midst. Now, what did the veil separate us from if we were in that time? It separated us from what? Access. You couldn't go in. If that priest, that high priest, went in the wrong way, if he went in without blood, he would be struck down by God. It's like Nadab and Abihu when they offered strange fire. You know where that fire came from? From the mercy seat. That's scary. And this high priest would go in, and he better have blood when he went in. On that one day. You think he was nervous? You think that he made sure that when he went into the presence of God, he went right? I mean, you think about that. Okay, you're the high priest. Go in there and make the offering. That's scary stuff. Listen, that's the God with whom we have to do. But now, what, was, what did I say in the beginning? We have access to this God. That doesn't mean that we run into the presence of God carelessly. 
lightheartedly. That's why I despise when a preacher will get behind the pulpit of wood and joke and use this as they feel like they have to break the ice and tell a joke before they preach. That's, that's, that's abhorrently wrong to God. Beloved, this high priest went in not with his own blood. Christ went in with his own blood. And when that, that, that veil was torn from the top to the bottom, now, beloved, you have access to God. You have access into the presence of this holy God. Romans 5 tells us that, tells us, therefore, being justified by faith in Christ, we have peace with God. Where there was formerly estrangement, there was formerly enmity, but now we are at peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through his death, by whom we now have, the next word is access. We now have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. I want you to see the privilege of the access that you have into the presence of Christ. It's what we do today. We come and we meet on the Lord's day and we have access to God the Father. In Ephesians 2.18, just listen. He says, for through him, Paul wrote to the Ephesians, we both, that is Jew and Gentile, we have access by one spirit unto the Father. Ephesians 3.12. Paul speaks again. He says, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. Hebrews chapter 4. You can turn there with me. Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews 4 and verse 14. Hebrews 4 and verse 14. The writer of Hebrews says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He can sympathize with every struggle, with every sin that you have, because he was tempted in all points like we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore, since we have Christ, our great high priest, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You see, the Old Testament priest was the only one who could enter into the holiest of all in the first tabernacle. But now in Christ, you have access into the holy presence of God by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building. It's not a brick and mortar building. It's not made of bamboo or like the, the tabernacle was made of animal skins. Beloved, we have access because of Christ. Now back to Hebrews 10 and we'll finish. Hebrews 10 and verse 10. The writer says, For the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things can never with those sacrifices 
which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. You see that every year on that same day in the autumn, on that 10th day of the seventh month was the day of atonement. And every time you went back and brought your animal, when you brought your lamb, when you brought your ram, when you brought your goat and you gave it to the priest to bring into the outer court, there was a remembrance every year of your sins. It could not give you the salvation that we now have in Christ. Yes, they were saved when they looked at the coming Christ, but it had, it had not yet been procured. So they had to continue with these ordinances. For then would they not have ceased to be offered, verse 2, because that the worshipers once purged should have had no more conscience of sins. But in those sacrifices, there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Wherefore, he, when he cometh he into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, thou hast had no pleasure. You see that? He was never pleased with those things. He says it twice. Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do thy will, O God. Above when he said, Sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings, and offering for sin thou wouldest not, neither hadst pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. There's that word again, once for all. With that Beloved, let us remember the one sacrifice that ended all sacrifices of the Old Testament. I exhort you, I exhort you now as you come to the table of the Lord to present yourselves before God as Paul commanded us to continually do. So you have a responsibility now in Christ to come as Paul said in chapter 12 of Romans. In chapter 12 of Romans, Paul has taught the Roman church about justification by faith in Christ alone. And now Paul says, since you're saved from your sins by Christ and Christ alone, he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So now that's how we present ourselves to God. We come before him to remember the broken body and shed blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. We remember that he died for our sins. We look upon the salvation we possess as having great cost. Having a great cost. The life and death and sufferings of our Lord Jesus Christ. But to us, to you... You are the recipients of God's great grace, of God's great mercy, and of God's great salvation, of which you had no part in securing it. You were chosen by God from the foundation of the world, and in time, God had the gospel preached to you, and you believed it to the saving of your souls. And so now we come to remember that, to refresh this wonderful gospel in our minds 
that we not forget, we not forget the God who saved us from our sins and who now gives us the continual privilege of access to him by faith. Amen. Let's pass the elements out. I'm going to have Brother Chris pass out the crackers. And after that, I'll have Brother Gary pass out the juice. If there's something in your mind, if there's something in your heart, if there's a sin that you had not confessed, then now's the time to do it.